You know, there are some things in life that we simply can't make sense out of. Why do bad things, and I mean really horrific things, happen to good people? That's one of those questions for me. A recent example very close to home were the Amish school shootings in October of 2006, back in Nickel Mines. This violence ripped into a peaceful, God-centered community. The victims were innocent children. Now, I know, I have long known it, that pain and suffering is part of the fabric of life, that it's a part of the fallenness of our creation. And perhaps more important than the question of why is the question of how. How will we respond? Which is indeed what this Amish community showed us. They responded to this tragedy with forgiveness. Yet this tragedy and the senseless violence that extinguished precious human life, it really shook me. I journaled about it. I found myself asking in a way that I hadn't in a number of years, where in the world is God? I mean, if God has any power at all to intervene in our lives and to intervene in the world, why? Why would God allow this to happen? Now, this, I know, is not a new question. And I know that this particular tragedy is not unique to us or our world, and that every day, all throughout the world, precious lives are violated and destroyed, sometimes in the name of God. But when this reality touches us so close to home, if you're like me, you really feel it. We're left shocked confused, deeply troubled, and try as we might, we just can't make sense of it. It's in this state that we find Cleopas and his friend, perhaps his wife, as they walk along that road. They're traveling from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which was a journey of about two hours, probably, on foot. And the baggage that they carry this day are their own heavy hearts. They, too, have just experienced a tragedy. Jesus, their friend, their leader, their Lord, has been killed. And it wasn't supposed to happen this way. They had hoped that he would be their king, a king sent by God to deliver them from Roman occupation and to establish a new kingdom on earth. But now he's gone, arrested killed, and they don't understand how this could have happened. There's one thing that they do know. When Jesus died, their hope died. And if that wasn't bad enough, rumors were beginning to circulate. Rumors that Jesus' body was missing. Rumors that he was alive. Rumors that only clouded the waters and confused one's thinking. So as Cleopas and his friend walk down the road, we find them not only on a journey to Emmaus, we find them on a journey through confusion, 
and through despair. And as these two travelers struggle to make sense of their shock, of their pain, of their disillusionment, a stranger joins them. Jesus himself draws near and walks with them. Now, they don't recognize him as Jesus, and here's another resurrection story where the risen Jesus appears to people that he knows, and they don't recognize him. In fact, Luke says that they were kept from recognizing him. What's this all about? I mean, did God put blinders on their eyes? My guess is that they were simply so sure that Jesus was dead that they couldn't see any other reality. They weren't ready to see any other reality. In the end, it doesn't really matter. Jesus walks with them, not because they recognize him or call him by name, but because he knows their need and he cares about them. As they struggle, Jesus joins them and asks, I see you're having a pretty intense conversation here. What are you talking about? His very question brings their pain to the surface. Cleopas responds rather tartly. You mean you don't know what's happened? If you don't, you're the only one around here who doesn't. His words have an edge to them. But even so, I suspect that Cleopas and his friend are glad for the chance to retell the story that has impacted them so deeply. Perhaps in the retelling of the story, they will begin to find some meaning in all that's happened. As Cleopas and his friends talk, Jesus listens. He listens to a story of pain and confusion and dashed hopes. We had hoped he was the one. We had believed that things might change, but we were wrong. Most of us go through times in our lives when we find ourselves echoing the words of Cleopas. We had hoped. We had hoped to have an ideal marriage and a happy family, but we find our family ripped apart by pain and by struggle. We had hoped that we and the ones we love would live long and healthy lives, but a devastating illness or a tragic accident strikes. We had hoped that someday we would live in a world filled with peace. But we watched the conflict and the violence in our world escalate. We protest. This is not the way things are supposed to be. Sometimes our disappointment and disillusionment lead us to a crisis of faith. God, if you care about us, why? Do you let these things happen? God, do you care? God, are you even there? 
It is at this point when our hopes are shattered that the story we heard this morning takes on meaning. It is precisely at these points when we struggle to find meaning and when we struggle to find God that Jesus himself draws near and walks with us. Like Cleopas and his friends, we may not recognize him. Sometimes our pain keeps us from seeing his face. We may be so consumed by our anguish that we don't even notice the stranger among us. Our pain may be all that we can see. Or perhaps Jesus looks so different from what we expected him to look like that we have a hard time recognizing him. We may be looking for a Jesus who keeps us from all harm and all pain and all suffering. In fact, we may understand the pain in our lives and the pain in the world to be a sign of his absence. Perhaps Jesus has withdrawn his love and care because we've somehow disappointed him. Or perhaps Jesus is only a friend of people who have it all put together. And when we get it all put together, then maybe Jesus will be our friend again. Or perhaps Jesus is not able or does not care to intervene in our lives or in the world. For all these reasons, it could be that we're convinced that Jesus could not possibly be on the road with us. And we're so sure of this fact that when Jesus comes and walks right alongside us, we fail to recognize him. And when we can't find him, we are disillusioned. I think that most of us would agree that disillusionment is not a welcome experience. It's a place that very few of us want to go. Yet in her book, The Preaching Life, Barbara Brown Taylor writes about its value, and here I quote. She says that disillusionment is the loss of illusion about ourselves, about the world, about God. And while it is almost always painful, it is not a bad thing to lose the lives we have mistaken for truth. Disillusioned, we come to understand that God does not conform to our expectations. We review our requirements of God and recognize them as our own fictions, our own frail shelters against the night sky. Disillusioned, we find out what is not true and are set free to seek what is true if we dare, end of quote. Disillusionment then becomes a unique opportunity, and it is a very unique opportunity to re-see life, to re-see God, to re-see ourselves. In fact, it may be when we're disillusioned that we are most ready to see life in a new and deeper way. 
And I, I think that's the place where Cleopas and his friend find, himself, find themselves. Their belief that Jesus was the Messiah, come to bring a political and military victory, was exposed as illusion. The hopes and the dreams that had sheltered them and had given them reason to live were shattered, leaving them exposed, leaving them vulnerable. The process was painful, yes. But it was only after that hard crust of illusion had broken loose that they were ready to begin seeing the tragedy of the past week in a new way. And that help comes to them in the form of a stranger, through Jesus, who draws near and who listens to their pain and to their confusion and offers them a new perspective. It's a perspective drawn right from Scripture. The Messiah comes into his glory not through political power and military might. The Messiah comes into glory through suffering and through death. Jesus helps them re-see the events of the past days. The crucifixion wasn't the end of the story. Death has given way to new life, to new possibilities. And what was thought to be a tragic defeat was in reality true victory. It's this perspective that Jesus offers us as he joins us on our journeys that sometimes pass through some pretty deep, dark valleys. He acknowledges that our hardship and our struggles and our losses are painful. There is no denying that. That is the reality that we live with. But he also helps us see that they are not the end of the story. That God's redeeming power is at work in our lives to transform even our darkest nights into opportunities for healing and growth. When we face illness, we are understandably distressed. But Jesus helps us see our illness not only as pain, but as opportunity. Opportunity to slow down, to befriend and listen to our bodies, to nourish our souls. When we face failure, failure of a marriage, loss of a job, our inadequacies as parents, we are often ashamed and we want to hide. But Jesus walks with us even then and helps us see our failures as opportunities. Opportunities to learn from our mistakes. Opportunities to share our brokenness with others and to receive their care. And opportunities to cultivate empathy within us for others who are struggling. And when we face death, we are often afraid. Like the culture around us, we want to avoid thinking about it. We want to avoid talking about it. We want to avoid facing the reality that we are all going to die someday. But Jesus himself, who himself faced death, draws near to us and reassures us that death is not the end. 
Beyond life here on this earth, we are ever and always sustained by God's love and God's care. And coming to terms with our mortality can help us see more clearly what is truly important in life. It can help us live more fully right now, here in the present. As Jesus could not guarantee for himself, he does not guarantee for us that we will never find ourselves on roads of pain and confusion and despair. There is no guarantee. But as he drew near to Cleopas and his friend, he continues to draw near to us as we struggle to make sense of the pain in our world and the pain in our lives. He draws near to walk with us, to listen with compassion, and to offer us new and life-giving perspectives. He helps us pick up the broken pieces and put them back together in a new way. As Cleopas and his friend talk with a stranger on the road, they begin to see new possibilities for their broken pieces. As their hope is rekindled, they're drawn to the stranger so that when they arrive at their destination and it's time for them to part ways, the two travelers just aren't ready for Jesus to leave. Stay with us, they urge him strongly. And so he does. He accepts their invitation to be their guest. But he's an odd guest. It's their home, it's their food, their table. But when they sit down together, Jesus, the guest, acts as host. He takes the bread. He blesses it. He breaks it. And he gives it to them. And it's then, that is when they recognize him. Perhaps it's the strangeness of this act, this, this guest serving the hosts, that, that makes the scales fall from their eyes. Or perhaps it's the very familiarity of it that jogs their memory. I mean, isn't this something that they've seen before? on a green hillside with, with five loaves and two fishes, or in an upper room with unleavened bread and Passover wine. Somehow in the sharing of the bread, they remember. They are awakened to the presence of the risen Christ among them. It is a holy moment, a holy moment that happens when Cleopas and his friend invite the stranger into the inner sanctuary of their home and graciously receive the gifts that he has to offer. It is then that they come to recognize Jesus, the living Christ, among them. Welcoming the stranger into our inner sanctuaries is not always easy. Many of us do not easily disclose the pain and the questions and the confusion that lies within us. We would rather be strong, put together, 
in control. And being good Christians, many of us would much rather give than receive. Yet this morning's story suggests that when we are open to receive the gift of the stranger, we very often come to recognize the presence of the risen Christ among us. That's happened to me a number of times in my life, and one experience I'm remembering this, story, this morning took place in the Congo during Doug and my first term with Mennonite Central Committee there. And although I don't think that we would have ever articulated it this way, um, I think that we went with illusion. And the illusion was that if you go to live with a people and to love a people fully with all that you are, nothing terrible is going to happen to you. I know, we, we did expect to get malaria and intestinal parasites, and we did. We can tell you stories about that sometime. But we did not expect to have our house robbed, at least not three times within five months. And each time it happened, we were traumatized. We felt violated. But eventually we would come to feel safe, and just at that moment, it would happen again. And the whole process would begin all over again. And it began to feel really personal. Why would people do this? I mean, and now we'd lost two shortwave radios, which was our only connection with the rest of the world. We'd lost all of Doug's underwear. <laughs> and now everything from the kitchen, everything, the food, the dishes, the pots, the pans, the hot plate that we cooked on, even the curtains off the windows. And to add insult to injury, there were gangs of unrelenting kids that would chase us through town every time we walked through there, which was often because we didn't have a vehicle. They would chase us yelling, Mundali, 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 which means foreigner, foreigner, foreigner. And from our cultural perspective, it just felt so terribly disrespectful. Well, finally, we hit the breaking point. And that's when Jesus himself drew near. Actually, he looked an awful lot like Tata Evangelio. I didn't know I was going to do this, sorry. Tata Evangelio was an older man, an Angolan man who was a refugee. He was our pastor. And more significantly, he and his wife, Mama Emilia, had become surrogate parents for us, young people so far from home. They had taken us in. At this very difficult time, we sat in our brokenness, in our empty kitchen, and Tata Evangelio showed up with an elder from our church. And they came in, and they simply sat with us. And then Tata Evangelio simply said, Filius, my children 
tell me what has happened. He knew, but he also knew that we needed to tell him. And we did. The pain was raw, tears flowed. He and that church elder listened very compassionately. And they shared stories about their own houses being robbed. And what we didn't know was that they never left their houses empty. They never left their houses unattended. And they thought with us about steps that we could take as well. But perhaps most significantly, they committed themselves and their church families to literally, physically walk with us wherever we went, to the market, to the school, to the church. They committed themselves to be with us and to walk with us so that we would never have to walk alone. I think that's what Cleopas and his friend learned on this journey. They weren't walking alone. But it was only in retrospect, as they reflected back on their journey, that they knew that the stranger walking with them to be the risen Christ. Cleopas puts it like this. Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road? I suppose that's the way it is for most of us. It's often only in looking back and reflecting that we see that we have been accompanied. In the meantime, as we travel through life, through all the joys and also all the challenges, may we be open to the stranger on the road, trusting that Jesus, the risen Christ, is walking with us even when we don't recognize him. Trusting that Jesus makes himself known to us as we journey together, as we struggle and as we search and as we laugh and as we cry together, as we break bread together. Wherever we find ourselves in this journey, may we come to recognize the presence of Jesus with us.